Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Fact or fiction? We understand the impact of the coronavirus. Just this last week, the numbers here in Beaumont, as across the nation, started climbing. On Friday alone, we had... 56 cases within the city of Beaumont. In the area, we had 59. We see the impact of that in this service this morning. We've always had more people watching online than we have in the service once we came back. But the last two Sundays, the crowd was higher than it is today. So the news of this last week has impacted our crowd. It's impacting our businesses. We understand that they're scaling back on restaurants and bars are closing. We understand that. As we get into this message, I just want to take just a minute to address this issue because it is, it is connected to what I want to say to you today, and you'll understand that as we get deeper into this message. As you know, on the Hebraic calendar, it is the year 5780, and this is the year of pay or mouth, By extension, it means word, expression, speech, and breath. You notice the the symbol there of pay, and you can tell that it it looks like a mouth. You see, look at the, the white part. Whenever a Jew looks at the Hebraic calendar and he looks at the year 5780, this is what he sees. This is the year of pay or the mouth. It is the year of expression. I'd like to read to you Romans chapter 15 real quick and verse 1 through 6. Just if you have your Bibles, you can turn, but I'll read it for you and it should be on the screen. But the Apostle Paul writing to the church said, we who are strong are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This last week, as the numbers were starting to climb again, and, and again, the news began just to fill up with all the announcements and so forth, and the governor was speaking, and the county judge began to issue his orders, and we're all concerned about where we are and where we're going, and how do we go into this new season that we thought we were coming out of? And as I begin to talk to several people inside the church, outside the church, even Thursday night and talking with the elders, we were addressing this issue and what we're doing as a congregation, making sure that we don't do too much, we don't do too little, but we try to find a balance. And as I listened to people and I shared with people my heart, it just, it occurred to me this morning as I got up that I probably should come before you and share with the congregation where I am And one of the dangers that I see happening in this nation, rather it's addressing the presidential election, rather it's addressing the COVID-19, rather it's addressing the economy, or rather it's addressing uh, the protesting in the streets over the George Floyd death. 
All these situations are happening right now, and so much has become too much, and people are just growing tired. Nerves are on edge. People are getting, people are getting uh, anxious and agitated. And right now, we as the church have to understand the season we're in and the opportunity that sets before us. This is one of the greatest opportunities I've ever seen in my life to preach the gospel. And so we have to be careful as a church during this time. I read to you Romans where he said to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, to prefer my brother before myself. And so one example of how we must do that is in regards to the COVID-19. There are those who believe that if you wear a mask, you are weak in your faith. There are those who believe if you don't wear a mask, you're weak in your understanding. And so we have to be careful that we don't allow the enemy to entrench us to where we're not able to speak as a church. The greatest danger right now for me that I'm looking at for today is not so much the COVID-19 or the protesting in the streets or the presidential election or the economy, but the divisive spirit that I see the enemy, not people, the enemy is trying to bring into us where we get entrenched on, on Democrat or Republican or black or white or wear a mask, don't wear a mask, or it, we, we become so entrenched that we can't speak to one another. We have to be careful. Now, should these issues be debated? Absolutely, and debated with passion. But we have to be careful that we debate as statesmen and not become assassins of one another, where we hurt one another with our words, mean-spirited and hateful because you do wear, you don't wear, because you do this, you do that, you believe this, you believe that. We have to be careful because our nerves are on edge and we're agitated and people are losing their jobs and people are losing their businesses and people are getting sick and people are dying. And so we have to be careful that we as the church don't get entrenched and we start to get agitated with one another. We have to be careful. Let us not lose the sound of our declaration by the noise of a debate. I want to be careful that I don't lose this opportunity to declare the gospel across this nation over a piece of paper. I want to be careful that the debate over this causes me to silence my mouth to where I can't declare the word of the Lord because we're agitated and we're irritated and we're fighting and fussing. Do you see how the enemy could come in right now? He sees this as a great opportunity to preach the gospel. It's the year of pay, the mouth, the breath, expression. And so now he comes in to divide us with tragic deaths as George Floyd and I can't breathe and, and, and the COVID-19 and wear a mask, don't wear a mask and suddenly lines are drawn, people are entrenched and there's, there's fighting in the streets and, and all of this is happening and the church has to be careful that we don't get drawn into this to where we're filled with hatred towards my brother and suddenly I forget what Paul said here in Romans to prefer my brother and to deal with his weakness, whether it's a weakness in faith or a weakness in understanding, whatever you think, you still have a responsibility to bear with that and to, and to prefer my brother and to work together so that we don't lose our ability to speak 
and to declare the word of the Lord because we're so entranced over a debate. Are you with me this morning? We've been speaking on Jacob's ladder, a ladder that was discovered in the church, a ladder, a ladder that Jacob discovered when he said, I didn't even realize it was here, a ladder that you can climb to touch heaven, a ladder. And part one, we spoke of heaven, a dimension of reality, for in verse 16, Genesis 28, Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. You see, you can be in God's presence and not realize it. It's not contingent upon your feelings or your circumstances. He's always here. But we have to know that there is a dimension of reality, heaven. And when we step into God's dimension or God's glory, we step into the realm of rest. How many needs a little rest here this morning? Need a realm of rest. In part two, we spoke of the ladder, heaven's ladder, and an eternal perspective. Verse 17, Jacob said that I was afraid, and then he realized how awesome is this place. That word afraid, as you remember, deals with being afraid of a set of circumstances, but the word awesome is reverence. He says, man, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the COVID-19. I'm afraid of the rioting. I'm afraid of the economics. I'm afraid uh, of what's happening in, in politics. I'm afraid. But when I step into God's presence, it's an awesome thing. It's the realm of rest. And for a brief moment, I can catch my breath. And I find the rest and the peace that I long for. We discovered here that the sons of God must live with heaven's point of view. Heaven's point of view. You have to climb the ladder and see above the COVID-19, above the presidential election, above the rioting, above the fighting, above all that's happening. You have to rise above that. The church can climb a ladder and can have an eternal perspective that brings you up with heaven's point of view. We talked about heaven's gate, a point of divine access. Again, uh, Jacob said, this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. In this room right now, there is a portal where we can move from this dimension to that dimension, from time to eternity. There is a place where we can experience heaven on planet earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we discover that when invited into the house of God, though, we have to remember to follow protocol and bring a gift. Follow etiquette and bring a gift. When you enter into his courts with thanksgiving, into his presence with praise and his gates, you, you come in with a gift and you offer a gift unto him. It's etiquette when you visit someone's home that you bring a gift. And the gift that we bring to him is we bring the gift of praise. We praise him. This is part one and in part two. And we did this because I kept hearing people say concerning all that we're going through right now, heaven is looking better. Genesis 28 said that he dreamed and he found a ladder that reached from the earth into the heavens. And I made the statement, I can't bring heaven down to you, but I found a ladder in the house of the Lord that perhaps you can climb to get to, to, get to heaven. A ladder. But this week, part three, part three, this week, Holy Spirit began to deal with me. He spoke to my heart and said, because my people have reached out to me 
I will reach back. Because my people dare to climb a ladder and reach a hand up. Think about that. Because my people dare to reach out to me. Today, I will reach back. A touch of heaven. I want to read to you. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. You remember this, reading quickly. And there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There in Jerusalem was the sheep gate, a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. In these lay a great multitude of sick people in these five porches, uh, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time, uh, and he would, uh, excuse me, now a certain time, wait, 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 let me back up. For an angel went down a certain time, excuse me, into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first uh, after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he already been in that condition a long time. In that condition, he said to him, do you want to be made well? You remember the story. He said, I have no man to help me. And in that moment, Jesus stepped in a divine intervention. Pool of Bethesda. And the Aramaic, it has an Aramaic origin. It means the house of loving kindness. The house of loving kindness. Now, I want you to know that yesterday, it was 5.03 when I came in to pray. Because I came in, I set my things down, I put my earbuds in, I put on some, some music, and I looked up to the clock and it was 5.03. And as soon as I began to walk and pray, in my mind's eye, not an open vision, but in my mind's eye, and I had no reason to, to consider this, but in my mind's eye, immediately I saw a, a, a video play out in front of me. And I saw this house as a house of mercy, a house of loving kindness, a house of healing and hope. I was in the altar talking with people and I saw people coming in and mingling and I could tell that people outside of this church, people in the community that were concerned with COVID-19 or concerned with the rioting in the streets or concerned with the election or the economy or, or, or whatever's happening with them, they were coming in here looking for hope. That this house was to be a house of loving kindness, a house of mercy, a pool of Bethesda, if you would. I saw it playing out in front of me. This house, in that moment, I saw that this house was to be a house of possibilities. For Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer or a house of possibilities. So number one, I want you to know that people are waiting for the moving of the water. We saw that in verse three. They were there by the pool of Bethesda, five porches around it, waiting for the angels to dip their wings and stir the waters. Matthew 21, 13 said, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You have to know that people are waiting for the stirring of the water. People are watching this church. I hear people all the time saying, Pastor, we're watching you guys. Pastor, we're looking to you. Pastor, what are y'all going to do? Pastor, are you going to take the lead? What's happening in the city? What are you, what's your church going to do? They're watching us online. People are looking to this church to take the lead. They expect it. 
People are expecting this to be a house of prayer, which means a house of possibilities. Because Jesus said, all things are possible to them that believe. So if we make it a house of prayer, then that means it becomes a house of possibilities. And people are looking, people are waiting for the stirring of the water. Number two, increase in angelic activity is a sign of kingdom movement. It's a sign. We saw that in verse four. He said, from time to time, an angel would come down and dip his wing and stir the water. Anytime in the Bible you see angelic activity, typically it's at a point of great transition. Something's getting ready to happen. Rather it's with Jacob, rather it's with the birth of Jesus, or here at the pool of Bethesda. Whenever you see an increase of angelic activity, you need to know that the kingdom of God is getting ready to shift. Something's getting ready to happen. Angelic activity. Something's up. Number three, looking at this story. Back up. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. That clock is pushing on me bad. Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 9, we read of the angel of his presence. The angel of his presence. The angel. That's why I've told you before, so often I look for things. I'm constantly looking for the kingdom of God to manifest. I'm constantly praying, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. I'm constantly waiting to hear, to see, to experience things. I'm looking for the movement of God. I'm looking for the stirring of the waters. Looking for the angel of his presence to step into this room and stir the waters of this house so this house can become a pool of Bethesda, a house of possibilities where, yes, could it be, is it possible that even COVID-19 could be healed in our altars? Is it possible? Where people would say, can't get the vaccine yet, but you can go to cathedral. Just a thought. Number three, looking at our story here, you need to know that desperation can cause the movement of God to pause. It said that an angel would come down in verse four and stir the waters, stir the waters, and the first one that got in, The first one that got in would stop God in his tracks. And God would heal that person. The stirring of the waters. Desperation is what causes God to stop in his tracks. Mark 6. Now he, Jesus, came to them, the disciples walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. You need to understand that so many times I've seen it. Anyone who works a platform has seen it. That in a service like this one, so many times I've seen it through the years where the presence of God would walk through the room and only wait to see if anyone would notice and then pass out the other door. So many times in services, I've seen where God was moving, God was walking, God was stirring the waters, but we missed the moment. We got in a hurry, the agenda, the the clock. We were under pressure, and so many times we've missed him. As I've told you a thousand times, that little openings like this, if you'll just walk towards them, suddenly it begins to unfold, and, and small beginnings can lead you to places of enlargement. As you see God moving, if you'll move towards it, suddenly it'll take you into a bigger room and God will begin to move. But it's so easy for us to get caught up in rowing. 
Rowing, rowing, making things happen, rowing, trying to make progress, rowing, trying to make things happen, trying, trying, trying to get through the storm, trying, 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 fighting the wind, trying. And suddenly God comes walking on the water. He comes walking on our circumstances and he comes as if to pass us by and he's only wanting to see if we'll notice him. But if you'll notice him, if you get desperate, if you'll drop the oars, if you'll come to the side of the boat and say, Jesus, if that's you, I'm asking you, let me, let me, let me get outside my comfort zone. Let me come to you on the water. And when you do, you'll stop him in his tracks. Desperation will cause God to stand still. Desperation. Number four in our story, there are places of high concentration concerning the anointing. Matthew 9, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. You remember the teaching on the, on the anointing of the high priest. His garments were passed down from generation to generation to generation. They were not to be kept by any one person. They were passed down, and they would anoint him. It was a seven-day ordination service, and they would pour the oil over him, and it would run down. And you have to believe that through the years, that oil would collect in the hem of that garment. His blood, sweat, and tears would collect in the hem of that garment. And this little woman pressing through the crowd that had an issue, as we have issues now, were hemorrhaging, were hemorrhaging as she was then. She pressed through the crowd and she touched that point of high concentration. She touched that point of anointing. And you need to understand that and you need to accept it, whether you, whether you understand it or not. I have been in service after service over 40 years where I have seen points of high concentration, where God was moving here and not here. And I don't always understand, but I accept it. I know that when I'm here, the glory comes over me. And when I pull people in, God touches those people. I'm just telling you, there are places, there are times, there are points of a high concentration of anointing. And when it happens, when it hits, don't stand there and try to debate it. Get in before that thing shifts. I've been in services before where I have felt the presence of God, the anointing, even here. And I said, come down here, come down here right now. Come down here right now. Listen, remember desperation will cause God to stop in his tracks. When I call for you, get up off your rear end and get yourself down here. Quit fiddling around and trying to, try to decide, well, should I go? Should I not go? Don't miss the moment. We're so lazadaisical. Lazadaisical, Lazadaisical. Lazadaisical. apathetic, lazy. <laughs> when God starts moving, move, move, move. While in prayer, Saturday afternoon, as I saw this video unplaying in front of me, and I realized this is a house of hope and mercy. And then I looked down and it quit and I began to walk through and I saw all these circles that I understand are, for us, it's, it's just trying to honor my brother and create safe distancing. I may be okay with everything, but he may not be. And so I want to honor him and, and just say, look, I'm going to stay in my circle and I won't infringe on your, your circle and you can worship God how you choose and just showing respect one to another. And as I began to walk, I saw these circles as pools of Bethesda and not just circles representing safe distancing. 
pools of Bethesda, Holy Spirit dealt with me. And he said, because my people have reached out to me, I will reach back. Right now, we know that feelings are running high. And, he, and, and, and you need to know, though, that what I sense as your pastor is that God's emotions are full. Feelings are running high. People are getting entrenched over this issue, over that issue. This is right. This is right. That's wrong. That's wrong. Just constantly just entrenching. And right now, I sense the feelings and people are high. But you need to know that God's emotions are full. And I believe he's getting ready to explode upon his people. Some of the greatest moves of God and history have happened in moments like this. Remember, remember Pentecost came on the heels of that moral midnight of Calvary. Just remember, John the Baptist exploded on the scene and said, there be the Lamb of God after over 400 years of God being silent. So often, revivals have broken out, have come out of tragedy, difficulty, hardships. So often, you, you find, so often your greatest experience with God comes out of you rowing across the lake in the midst of a storm. Right now, feelings are high, but God's emotions are full. And I think God's getting ready to explode. Let me show you where. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God in your midst, number one, is a mighty one to save. Number two, he will rejoice over you with gladness. Number three, he will quiet you down with his love. And number four, he will rejoice over you with singing. I want you to understand what's going to happen in our midst. The Lord is in our midst. Number one, he said he is mighty. That word means a warrior. Number two, he said, I will rejoice over you with gladness. That word rejoice means to be bright and a triumphant joy. God's saying, guys, something good's coming. Number three, he said, I will quiet you with my love. I will silence you and I will make you speechless. Number four, he said, again, I'm going to rejoice, but it's a different word. It means to spin around under the influence of violent emotion. It means to tremble. He's so ready to move. We say, I'm ready for God to move. Where is God at? God trembles with emotion, more than ready to move in our midst. He's ready to explode on the scene and to pour out his emotions upon us. So let me read Zephaniah 3.17 to you again, but let me give you my twist on it. The Lord is in our midst as a warrior eager to rescue. He is excited, overcome with joy, knowing that today the victory is ours. With his love, he will silence our fears and take our breath away. He trembles with a violent emotion ready to erupt over his people. The word singing here in Zephaniah. There in the Hebrew, it means a ringing cry. 
It means desperate plea, a proclamation of joy or triumph. You have to understand that's a ringing cry. It's a desperate plea. When God says, I will sing over you, it's a desperate plea. It's a proclamation. He's excited. He knows that victory is coming. He knows this, and he sings over us. God's violent emotion erupting over you will be a proportionate response to the violence that you're experiencing now. You say, Pastor, I can't take much more. God says, I can't either. I'm getting ready. You say, Pastor, I'm overwhelmed with, with emotion. God says, I am too. You have to understand, as our Father God watches his children suffering and they're filling up with emotions, so is he. You need to know that. That what breaks your heart breaks his heart. What concerns you concerns him. What moves you moves him. You have to know this. That you're so sick and tired of all of it. He is too. He is ready to explode on the scene. To erupt with emotion over his children. He is moved as our high priest. By the things that moves us. In John chapter 1 and verse 51. Stephen, come help me. Jesus said, I prophesied to you eternal truth. Eternal truth. Number one, from now on, you will see an open heaven. Number two, you're going to gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway, talking about Jacob's ladder, reaching into the sky. And number three, the messengers or angels of God are going to go up and down, up and down. So here this morning, you need to understand this eternal truth. And what was true then is true now, this eternal truth. There is an open heaven. There is an open heaven. It's like I read the scripture to you last week. It, it, it said the open gates. The gates are open. The gates are open. You can enter into his gates anytime. But you have to have the right password, and the password is praise. You can be in the house and not experience the Lord of the house. Jacob said that. God was here, and I didn't even know it. So it's not enough just to come through the gate. You've got to use the password You've got to step into his presence. And so know that there's an open heaven above this church. You, know, you need to know, number two, that Jesus is the gate of heaven. That's why we were preaching last week that he is seated in heavenly places and we're seated with him. And we have to lift him up. And the more I praise him, the more I worship him, the higher I lift him. The higher I lift him, the more authoritative he becomes in my life. And the, and the higher he pulls me up with him the more dominion I can take on planet earth because as I push him up, he pulls me up. So you have to know that, that he's the gate. If we want to destroy COVID-19, you're going to have to push him up. If we want to overcome the racial hatred in this nation, we got to push him up. If we want to heal the economy, we got to push him up. Whatever, we want to, whatever it is we want to do, know that Jesus Christ is the answer and we the church have that. Number three, those messengers are going up and down. There is angelic assistance. They will help us. I can't bring heaven down to you, but I found a ladder in the house of the Lord that perhaps you can climb it. There's a ladder in the house. There's a ladder in the house. A ladder. This is a house of possibilities. And right now, 
the world is groping in darkness for hope. Hope. Whatever is fact, whatever is fiction, whatever is real, and whatever is hype, it doesn't matter. At this point, it's impacting us. So let's quit debating and let's just get busy about reaching the world while we can. It's hard. It's easy to get caught up in all the debate, but it's different for those guys just last week. Was it ExxonMobil, Motiva? Who was it? Two of them laid off non-essential personnel. It's, it's easy for us to just get caught up in the emotions of the moment, but there's businesses closing, there's people going to the hospital, and though it may not impact me, there are people dying, and we need to know that. It's impacting us. It's impacting our nation. The stock market is up and down. It's real. That part of it is it's happening. For whatever reason, fact or fiction, whatever reason, it's happening. But this is an opportunity for the church to be the church. It's the year of pay. Is it, is it any wonder why the enemy is trying to get us to debate to, with one another to where we can't even talk to each other? He doesn't want us talking to the world. He doesn't want us making declarations, proclaiming the gospel. He wants us at, 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 odds, at odds with one another where we can't even reason. That's, what the, that's the enemy doing that, divisiveness. There's a ladder in the house. Today, we're going to take communion. But we're going to do this a little different. And I'm not even sure it's going to work. But we're in a state of emergency, so give me some freedom here, some, lee some leeway, amen? What we're going to do is I'm going to call out six categories, okay? Six categories. And as I do, if you fall in that category, I want you to make your way around to the side aisles. You come down, you pick up your communion, and you go to a circle. Now, a circle can be your, you and your family, or you and your spouse, or you and, and a person you rode with, or you by yourself. But you'll come stand here, and we're going to worship, and we're going to give you a, just a moment to take communion privately and to stand for that category. You may be praying for yourself. You may be praying for someone else, but you're going to stand there. And we're, gonna, we're, going, to, we're going to worship. We're going to pray over you. And I'm believing that God said to me, because my people reached out to me, I'm going to reach back. Because my people dared to reach out to me, I'm going to create these pools of Bethesda. I'm going to release my angelic beings to dip their wings and to stir the waters. And you say, Pastor, I'm not comfortable coming down. Listen to me. You need to listen to me. I want you to notice in our story of the pool of Bethesda, God healed people in the moment of agitation, in the moment of movement. He did not heal during moments of stagnation. You got to move. We have a moving God. 
Jesus came walking on the water as if to pass them by and he wanted to see, I just wonder if they're going to notice me and move with me. You need to know that God responds to your desperation, to your act of obedience, to your faith. God will respond to your honesty. God will respond to you, but you got to move. God moves in moments of agitation. God moves. He's a moving God. God hates stagnation. That's why we as a church have to constantly be changing because we serve a God, Elohim, the Elohim that's creative. And he's constantly moving us and changing us. He refuses to allow us to become uh, lethargic and and stagnated. He wants us to move. He is described in the Bible as a, a river that flows, as a wind that blows, as a fire that consumes. You got to move with him. So if it takes you getting out of your seat and coming standing in this circle and taking communion, if it takes that for you to get healed, why in heaven's name wouldn't you do it? We serve a moving God. You got to move when he moves. So you're going to come down, grab communion, find a circle. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. You're going to take your communion, and then I'll release you. And then go out one of the three center aisles, and there's garbage cans where you can drop off your deal. So you come down the sides, you go out the middle. Come down the sides, go out the middle. And I want you to do this. I want you to come in faith. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29, The Bible says that he touched them and said, become what you believe. He touched them and said, become what you believe. Whatever it is you need, become that by believing that. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.